0: And in Christ, you were born into a new life, not to two. And part of our daily prayer that that Christ gave us in Matthew is supposed to be, let your will be done. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, it's interesting, he puts that as part of the prayer before we get into asking for things for ourself. Before we say, Lord, give me my daily bread, right? Or when I pray, I say, Lord, everything we need today, right? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever. Before you ask, Lord, give us, really is what it is. It's for the body. Give us our needs. Forgive us of our sins. Deliver us. Before we ask for any of those things, we're supposed to pray, Lord, let your will be done. Not ours. And so we're supposed to be asking not just for his will to be done but for it to be done above our own will. And I would even add on to that that you might want to pray, "Hey Lord, and maybe let me know a little bit about what that will is so that I can track with it." Cuz if I'm praying, "Lord, let your will be done, your and his will's going this way," and then after I pray that I'm asking for something going this way, which one do you think God's going to answer? His will And so if we keep trying to run off a different direction, man, there's going to be a whole lot of whys coming out of your mouth, a whole lot of stumbling, a whole lot of what's going on. Have you ever, uh, (laughs) I really hope not, Uh, you know, we do stupid things sometimes, especially guys, you know, you're blowing stuff up and fighting for no reason. And anybody ever, like, tied themselves to somebody else and both ran the opposite direction? Hopefully not. We got somebody ever tried to run off and realize your leg was caught and it just, whatever you're doing just comes to a a halt real quick. Right. And you feel like, Oh, that jerk back, you know, someone grabs your t-shirt. That's kind of how it is when you you're trying to run off your own way and God's like, Whoa, Whoa, wait a minute. My will's over here, right? And that's a pretty uncomfortable tug to be happening over and over and over. So that's why I ask you, what's your will for your life? And what do you think your purpose is in Christ? Those answers should not be very far apart, if at all. But, so why is it? Why is it that, that a lot of times they are? It's because I think that we forget. We forget that we we're made with that with a purpose. And it's a purpose that Christ has already given to us, that Christ has already spoken to us. Right? So we, you know, we kind of build up these plans in our head, right? We build up our own future. We build up our own plans. We've got our own purpose to fulfill, you know, aside from the Lord. And we kind of attach God into our system, right? We make, we make the Christian life or the church life or our prayer life, we kind of attach it as like part of our cycle instead of letting it be our cycle. And attaching life onto that and we <laughs> might not want to admit it but we forget God is in charge which is a good thing by the way that's not meant to be some big bubble burser oh man now I can't do what I wanted to do no God is in charge and his ways are better than your ways it says in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah. and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts I tell people all the time, that verse, think about that. I want you to, right now, I want you just to imagine the best possible future that you could imagine for yourself, the best job, the best family, the best pay, right? The nicest car, whatever it is. I want you just to give yourself the ideal future. And as you're thinking about that, I want you to hear these words. My ways are better than your ways, says the Lord and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That means that whatever you have considered, God's plan is actually better, actually better, if you're willing to trust him with that fact. So God is in charge, he's sovereign, right? His will does prevail. We're not gonna get to the end of the age and God's not gonna be like, well, you know, My plan almost went perfectly, except for, no, 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 God is in charge. But we can cause a lot, we can cause ourselves a lot of pain when we're so focused on our will that we don't stop to see what is God's. So let's look at, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to pick up where Stephen has a, proclaimed the gospel, even the glory of God through the ages. And because of his witness and testimony, he's been stoned to death by the council of Jews and by Saul of Tarsus, who was there holding their garments. And it says in verse 8, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Great joy. So (laughs) it's pretty pretty interesting that this one event, you know, uh, Stevens standing up before the council and and them running out, throwing off their outer garments and in a mad fury stoning them to death. This one event exploded into a very violent, violent attack on the church of Christ. They already, you know, weren't real good friends with the church at large but it suddenly springs into something even more fearsome, that after Stephen's death, it says that there was great persecution, so much so that the church in Jerusalem was scattered across the land. Could you imagine if, if something came to Kerrville so bad that we've got like, I think, I know we've got 420 churches officially in Kerr County. I think, I think someone told me that there's actually 88 of those are in Kerrville alone. And those are just, I guess, the registered ones. What, imagine, what would it take for something so bad to come to Kerrville that those 88 churches had to be scattered out across Texas and across the country, right? So this persecution was so bad going house to house that the disciples were scattered. And Saul now is so consumed with his attack on the Lord that it's actually him that's going house to house, that he's dragging men and women, throwing them to prison, and it says that he was m- making havoc, making havoc on the church. So some might look at this situation, they say, they'd say, why? Everything was going right. The church was growing, right? There were deacons, the widows are being fed, orphans are being taken, the gospel is being preached, the sick are being healed. Why would God allow not only men, this man to be killed, but why would he now allow persecution against his people? Why would he allow, you know, them to be thrown into prison? Why would he allow them to be scattered? And why do we ask that question? Well, first and foremost, because I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a good plan. But also because, well, what about this great, this great plan that we have? You know, what about us building up such a wonderful church community, right? What about us all living in peace and singing Kumbaya? Does anybody actually sing that song anymore? Did, well, Stephen does. Not the Kumbaya, man, come on. No. Um, what happened to these great, wonderful plans of how we should have lived our life, how they should have lived their life? Hmm. Well, it's very interesting. I think God would give us the same answer that he gave us for his son. Why did he allow Christ to be persecuted and beaten? Why did he allow his own son to be illegally tried, thrown into custody, and then even murdered? Not just murdered, but taking the curse of the world upon himself. Taking the shame that is supposed to be yours, taking it upon himself. Why would he, why would he allow Jesus to do that? Because it was his persecution. It was his imprisonment. It was his murder. That led to two things happening. For one, it allowed the wickedness of man to be uh, revealed. First, the wickedness and the sinful nature that all of us, all of us walk in, that all of us are chained to before the salvation in Christ. It allowed that to be revealed, but it also allowed the, the wickedness of the Pharisees and of the nation who's supposed to be called God's own nation to be revealed that they killed the one they claimed to be waiting for. But secondly, Isaiah 53 says that it's by his stripes that we are healed. That it was his chastisement that brought about our peace. And so God used this horrible circumstance of Jesus going to the cross to pay your debt, to bring about salvation, to give you eternal life. And to also give you the fullness of a blessing, of a a relationship with the Lord here today. And God used that uncomfortable situation to give salvation to all who believe in his name. And so we're called to walk in that same ministry. To walk in that same ministry. So what am I saying? Well, let's read on. Let's read verses 4 through 5. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now, here, here it gets interesting. Before we talk about it, we've got to consider two truths tonight that are true for everybody in this room, that are true for every person sitting in any church anywhere, right? anybody who claims Christ. And that is, for one, we were bought with a price. Your salvation is free, but it wasn't free. You were bought at a price. And you were bought for a purpose. For a purpose. Right? God has a purpose for your life. And we need to remember our purpose. That is, in all things, rather, your situation is good or bad. Rather, you're in chains or you're free. Rather, you're in a workplace or at home. Rather, it's to your neighbors or to the nations that we're called to do, to know, to know, to do, and to proclaim the will of God and the gospel of your salvation. But that is your purpose. You know what? It might look a little bit different for you than it does for me. But it says that we are all baptized in the one baptism. That we were all baptized into one spirit. And that we're all children of one Lord. Right? And so we've all been called in some varying degree to the same purpose. And we need to remember that. And here's the thing. God's will will take you out of your comfort zone. It will. Okay? God's will will take you out of your comfort zone. That's just a fact, okay? And it's almost a continuous thing sometimes. But sometimes, here's the thing, sometimes to reach the people who need God most, God has to move us. God has to move us. Usually what's going to happen is God isn't going to le- move the people who don't believe him in him to you. Now can that happen? Absolutely. Does it happen? Yeah. But also, God might move you to them. And so that's actually what we have happening here. Consider this. Like I said, the church was growing in Jerusalem. They were having signs and wonders. There was salvation being proclaimed. We know that they were all meeting together in the temple, breaking bread all in one accord. Sounds pretty good. Sounds like a pretty good lifestyle, right? What about the Samaritans? What about them? The people who the Jews would rather spit at than talk to. Because in Samaria, while they're there, having a blast while they're there preaching the word, eating and breaking bread together, rejoicing in the salvation, the free gift of God. The people in Samaria are there without a savior. The people in Samaria are lost in darkness. And there are people in Samaria, in Judea, who are still desperate for the love and forgiveness of God that has already been freely given. All they have to do is hear They just haven't yet heard. Who was going to take that message? Who? While they were in Jerusalem, who was going? No one. No one was going. And it was actually through the persecution of the church that his body was scattered. And that it says in verse four that they were scattered and they went everywhere, everywhere preaching the word. And you know what? Through the persecution, through the uncomfortable change, through the outside my comfort zone, the word, the world heard the word of God. That's hard to say. The world heard the word of God. You say that five times fast. And so because of this, Philip went to the Samaritans. See, Jerusalem, they were building the bonfire, right? And I'm not going to lie. I want a nice toasty bonfire here in Kerrville, right? I want the fire high. I want the people rejoicing and singing the praise of God in the streets. I want a nice toasty bonfire. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I want you to, when you open up Google Maps, I want you just to see flames flying off your phone with a cross in the middle. That's what I want. God doesn't want your little controlled bonfire. God wants a wildfire. God wants the the hillside, the countryside on fire for his name's sake. And it can't happen if we're all here. Right? And so it was through this that God sent the gospel to the Samaritans. And just as the wickedness of men is being revealed through these Pharisees and Sadducees and the persecution is growing, guess what? You know what else is growing? God's grace. And it says, let's see, what verse were we in? It says in uh, verse 6 even, that the multitudes came together with one accord to heed the the word of God. So let's read through that again. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So, It says that the multitude, that these people who, you know, you know what the predicament about being a Samaritan is? You're not really a Jew, and you're not really a Gentile. You're kind of some pagan half-breed that nobody likes. Like, It's a pretty unpleasant place to be. And yet, when he went, when Philip went with the gospel, it says the whole multitude came together and heeded his words. That's the real miracle you know what, you can, keep, you can keep your healings, you can keep your little speaking in tongue, you can keep all that. The real miracle is when some fool like you or me steps out to speak the gospel and people respond. That's the real miracle. And that was Philip's experience. That a whole multitude responded and gave their life to Christ. And it says, even in verse 8, and there was great joy in that city great joy. Why? Well, hello. Because they've been living in a lie. They've been living with despair and it's finally cast off because they hear the news of Christ. They've been living as pagans and they can now throw off those chains and they can walk in the newness of life that only God gives. Because God used a bad, uncomfortable situation to move one man into a new land. And here's the thing, you know, We've all been called to a ministry of joy. You know how awesome that is? Anybody remember coming to Christ and like, man, that was a really gloomy day? No, I don't think so. I'm pretty, I don't know about you. My, my, my relationship, my experience with Jesus has been pretty good pretty much all the time. Now, my side of it, not always so much. His side of it, he's always pretty spot on. And so whatever despair I used to have, whatever fears I used to have, whatever worry and doubts I used to walk in, man, I've thrown those in the trash. Because I've got a God who's greater than all of those things. And not just who's greater, but who's present, who's able, who's willing, who listens, who speaks. Man, and that brings joy. Doesn't that bring joy? It should bring joy. We have been given a ministry of joy to bring to others. Not fear, not gloom, not even personal comfort, by the way. Sorry sorry about that one. Not financial prosperity, necessarily. But we've been given the ministry of power, of joy, and of eternal life for anyone who's willing to hear and believe. Where the prosperity is first and foremost in the spirit, in the soul. And you know what? That never runs out. It's eternal. So... You know, it's funny, maybe some of you are here even, or came here, you know, originally because you, in your life, were somewhere that was not so good. You were in a place that was pretty uncomfortable. You were in a place that, uh, that was pretty painful or dark, and God used that to bring you here. Think about that. Think about the situation of your life in which God used to allow his gospel to reach your heart. But that was probably not a good situation. Some some people, it's kind of, yeah, that was life, kind of sucked. Some people, it was like, nah, dog, like that was bad. Let's not ever do that again, (laughs) you know. And God uses those things to draw people to himself and sometimes to move us to others. So... Maybe you're right now, maybe you're in a place in your life, you're in a job, you've got a family, you're in a whatever location, you're going to be there for a long time, who knows? Maybe you're in a place where your life is so shaken up every day, you don't know which freaking way to look, right? You don't even know which way is north. I guess that's a bad example because I don't even know which way is north. Anybody got a compass? That way? Someone's pointing that way. I think that's a lie, but I'll believe it. Love believes all things, so we're just going to rock with that. Um, but here's the truth, right? It doesn't matter, it doesn't really matter because sooner or later, sooner or later change is going to come in some aspects of your life. And in some aspect of your life, change is probably gonna come soon, right? We're pregnant. I don't know why people say that because I'm not pregnant, she's pregnant, but we're pregnant. And so we are about to have some change real quick, right? Um, but change is gonna come. Bad things are gonna happen. And guess what? As you decide to start taking a stand for Christ, persecution will happen. It might start on Facebook. It might start with your family. That's where Jesus says it's going to start. It might come from the world. Persecution will happen. But here's the thing. God is always in control. We have a God whose hand cannot be restrained. And he will use your pain, your discomfort, and even persecution, just like he used for the early church. He'll use persecution to become the healing, the comfort and the blessings for others, for others. Let me see, let me see A you raise of hand. Who in here has gone through something in their life that was negative and they wish, man, I really wish I did not have to go through that. Okay. Lots of honest people. I like that. Now who in here since that time has realized that those opportunities are now, or those situations are now opportunities to minister to others in Christ. Right? Man, God's good. God redeems all things. Even you suckers. So he uses your uncomfort to be another's comfort. Here's the thing, though, we have to be willing to yield long enough to see what he's doing with our lives. So many times we say, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, where are you taking me? And he's been telling you the same thing for like the last two years. You just keep trying to go the other way. And you wonder, why is this not working? Oh, I wonder why. Because that's not where he's taking you, right? So we got to be able to, to, to stop and yield our life for a moment. And say, Lord, what are you doing? Where are we going? And be willing to grab onto, to follow that. Because after all, that was Christ's call. Think about this. Christ's call was twofold. That's it. Christ, his call was twofold. Repent. I'm not pointing at her. Sorry. Repent. Follow. That's it. Repent. Repent follow. That was it. Right? Repent and follow. And so the problem with that, however, is that Jesus didn't stick around in one spot too long. I don't know if you've read the Gospels, but Jesus was all over the dang map, man. He was from town to town, from house to house, from synagogue to synagogue, from one ministry to another. He didn't even do the same, same type of ministry day to day. And Jesus is moving. And if you're walking in the Spirit, Jesus should be moving. And if Jesus is moving, you should be moving. Man, sometimes I want to move too much. Sometimes Jesus is just like, dude, sit down. Stop for like five minutes. And I'm like, all right, fine. Because sometimes I move more than he does, and that's not good. <laughs> that's the other end of the spectrum, right? <laughs> it's like when I was in eighth grade, man. I went to, took, a, took a trip to D.C., Washington, D.C., and uh, man, I was, you know, I never really fit in anywhere. I kind of fit in with the weird people, um, cause I was weird. And I kind of fit in with like kind of sort of everybody cause I was nice, but I never really, really fit in anywhere. Um, it's just the way it was. And uh, I've always, even today, I, I, I like to be by myself. I like to do my own things. Um, there's nothing I enjoy more than anything than sitting at home in the dark <laughs> In the quiet with nothing on by myself. Love it. Poor wife doesn't get that. She reminded me that the other day. Is like, hey, <laughs> glad you get to do that. I don't. Um, but uh, that's still my favorite thing. I like to be alone in, in at, for some period of time. So eighth grade, I'm in Washington, D.C., and this happened like four or five times. We're going all over the place. We're going to different museums and stuff, and there was like multiple times where I'm like off looking at all this stuff, and I'm looking at this giant gym, and I'm looking at this spaceship, and I'm looking at this girl in the plaid skirt, and my wife didn't hear that. And uh, I'd come back and I'd look around and I'm like, oh, where did everybody go? <laughs> and then I spent like the next half hour trying to find my group. And there was more than once when they were like a block down the road and someone was walking back towards me trying to find me, right? Cause I would just, we were moving so much going everywhere but I was moving, I was moving faster than, than they were. And sometimes I do that in Christ, right? Where Christ is going I'm so fired up about following Jesus and all of a sudden he stops to take a rest and I just keep on moving. And then finally, I'm tired, I'm worn out, and I turn around, and I'm like, uh, (laughs) where'd everybody go? And I got to drag my, you know, put my head down. Oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. (laughs) Let me catch back up. But we got to remember, guys, that we have a purpose in Christ. And that the purpose God gave for you, His will actually takes priority over yours. And I'm sorry if that's a shocker to you. I'm I'm sorry if I'm hurting your feelings. That yeah, your will comes second to Jesus, but it does, and it's actually a good thing. Praise God, because His will will come to pass. Yours, eh? Good luck. You know, good luck. But we've been given a purpose, and it's this, guys. If nothing else, it's it's to give hope to the hopeless. It's to give joy to the joyless. And it's to show the way to Christ to the lost. So before we, you know, before we start to whine, before we start to complain or feel as if somehow we've been unfairly treated by the world, we have to remember your purpose. And we have to ask God, what is his will for you in this move? What is his will for you in this moment or in this movement or in this time of testing? because he didn't somehow forget about you and now all these bad things are happening and you got to pray real hard till he hears you. No, 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 no. God never, never takes his eyes off of you. And he has a purpose for you in the moment. So ask God to reveal that to you because his will is first and his will will be done. And if nothing else, you're not a first Christian First century Christian being persecuted by Saul. So that's also a plus. So let's just pray right now, and let's just ask God to, actually, just like we had some people ask us to as we opened, to pray that the Lord would take control of our attitude. That the Lord would show us that He has purpose for us where we are and where we're going. And to ask God to show us that through the trouble maybe that we've been through that we don't understand, maybe the trouble you're going through right now, that he, he would show us what our purpose for uh, our purpose is in that, and that he'd prepare us to lean on him in troubles to come. So, Father God, we thank you so much for this night, Lord. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you do have a will, that you do have a purpose, and that you called us, Lord, out of darkness into a marvelous light, for your name's sake. And so, Lord. Father, I know for me and I hope I speak for everyone else here, Lord, that I want to be used by you. Lord, I want you to <laughs> I want you to let me proclaim hope to those who have none. I want you to allow me to be that speaker who preaches the good news and has someone be saved out of addiction, who to be saved out of darkness, to be sp- saved out of pain and suffering, Lord. To know that they have a God who loves them and that they when they leave this earth that their life will just barely be beginning, and that it will be with you forever. Lord, I want to follow you. So I pray, Lord, that you'd give me a heart of repentance tonight, and that you'd give me feet, Lord, that are faithful to walk step and step as you walk. So, Lord, just bless this congregation. Let your Holy Spirit fill them, Father. Let, Let your Holy Spirit stir up within them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and let us walk faithfully by you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
1: do I say thank you Lord the way that you love Thank you. You don't have to come, but you are. my heart pours out, this thankful song, you don't have to come, but you always do. change the whole room. you don't have to come, but you are you want it to You are through all of my walls, conquered my shame, stepped into my past, filled my world with grace, didn't have to come, but you want to. You don't have to come But you always do You show up in splendor And change the whole room You don't have to come